I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's a rainy Saturday morning, so there's nothing better than breaking out the questions and answering them with just two up top. As Dave's away in Germany, Adam is away in Argentina, I want to say, and everyone else, well, everyone else is Kristen. So, Chris, welcome back. Evening, morning, morning whichever time you're listening. Yep, uh, it's good to have you on the show. We are starting 45 minutes before the Liverpool game, so we're going to try and fit as many questions in before that, um, and then you guys can listen throughout the afternoon. Maybe it's a good time between games to listen uh, Chris, obviously a good week of Champions League football this week. Uh, what did you watch mm. in the Champions League? I watched Sporting Legia. Like a... why are you why are you so on uh, Legia, and or um, why are you so on Sporting as well? Well, Gelson Martins to to be a little hipster. Um, when the first round of games were out, I was in the states, yeah. um, and I didn't actually have much of a choice of what I could watch, and it was. I forget what the other game was, but it was something like Real Madrid sporting against... That was it, Real Madrid sporting or Leon uh, Juventus Sevilla. And uh, I just liked the first 10 minutes of Real Sporting. And Martins was really good that night. And I had read some stuff sort of sporadically about how good he was and people like Tom Cundit and people like this thing. He's, He's very talented. So I wanted to just kind of pick that up a bit. Um, I also did, by coincidence, watch uh, Legia's qualification game with Dundalk, the second leg. Yeah. Um, and they were just they were they were very average that day against Dundalk, and actually, but for some better finishing, Dundalk could easily been in the Champions League. Um, so I wasn't terribly surprised to see Sporting win, personally. Um, and I just I like to. Personally, I quite enjoy watching the the younger players. I, qu- I quite like trying to see someone before they kind of hit the big time. So you can tell everyone just before they... Because actually you've named quite a few of those guys who just sort of... Just before they hit the big time. Uh, yeah, like like on on Thursday night, uh, Genk's Leon Bailey, the yep. Jamaican. Um, I tweeted something about him because he's another... <coughs> excuse me, he's another one that... I, I, just like the way he plays, he's very direct. He's very confident. There's there's something there, and it's it's a good test for me personally, just to to see how I can kind of evaluate players before there's a consensus that they're good. Did you uh, watch any of the Man City Celtic game? Fantastic game. Yes, 
to watch. That was a good game. Yeah. Um, I like I like the way Gundogan plays. I, I like. Yeah, he's got a great. He's got a. There's almost a Lampard esque sort of nature about him, isn't there, in the Premier League? Mm. He's he's not the quickest. No, um, that's what I mean. But he's. It, <laughs> Do you think Lampard had a good range of passing? I've never been too sure about this. I was debating this last week. No, yeah, no, it's a good point. I don't think Lampard was the greatest. He, it wasn't a sort of Hollywood ball. He wasn't a Hollywood ball kind of player, was he? And he never played in the Hollywood ball no. kind of side. So maybe that's his problem. Hollywood ball. God, I've not heard that phrase in ages. No one in the Premier League plays Hollywood balls anymore, do they? I'm trying to think anyone who does now. It's a good point. Steve, now Stephen Gerrard's gone. There's no Hollywood balls. <laughs> John Joe's good for a Hollywood ball. Yeah, but that, um, I said not the Premier, Premier League. League but... Yeah. Um, Sorry, that's a really nasty dig at a Newcastle fan. Henderson? Does Henderson play a one no, or two now? I think again? Liverpool have. Ah, uh, well, no, not Caught really. Pushed out of him, Yeah. Um, and then you can't really call what Xabi Alonso does a Hollywood ball because he clearly doesn't do it with ego <laughs> in mind, does he? Um, and it works every time. And it works every time, which is also, yeah. Although, surely that's a Hollywood ball because in Hollywood films, everything happens really nicely. Sure. Whereas Steven Gerrard's is more of like a. Um, how can I say this without sounding horrible? Uh, yeah, not such a Hollywood... A B, B movie. Well, mm. not a porno. Um, although sometimes it did leave Liverpool fucked. So, uh, let, I mean, it was a good game, wasn't it, Chris? It also sort of showed why it would be interesting to have seen Liverpool early on take on Man City because the pressing from Celtic was the thing that got into City. It did. I think it was also who they targeted. That that was what separated it from just kind of unfiltered pressing. It was it was clearly focused on the the key members, mainly the the, the centre backs, um, and it was a good test for City, I think, as well. That's that's the other thing is you, you may argue slightly bar the derby, have they had a wealth of of real kind of tests? Or, or really. kind of difficult games. I would argue probably not. Um, but the, I mean, this is this is the thing. This is one of the things it, we keep kind of, and I don't mean just us, you and I, but we keep kind of talking about this game as if City lost, whereas actually they only drew and they scored three times. Yes, they conceded three, but even in this game that we're kind of picking apart. They were only stifled. They weren't beaten. Because, I mean, Chris, what I did find fascinating, and Rogers was great at this. Rogers has been really good at this throughout his career, masterminding the fall of a bigger side. And it is a fall. I mean, let's face it. You know, I, I think it was Sam Homewood during the live show who said to me, this Man City squad is worth 25 times what the Celtic squad is worth. And the Celtic mm-hmm. squad is worth 20 million. Now, I get that. I, you know, I get that there's sort of, you know, there's a bit of a United fan there telling me something to make it look like they're not a success. But it is interesting when you see a manager sort of nail it against the side and you think, mm-hmm. ah, what's going... Because in the beginning, let's face it, Chris, people are trying to work out what Pep Guardiola is going to do with this team. That's what I'm saying is it is almost interesting to see what's going to happen come the end of the season when managers have had a bit of time to analyse what teams and squads can do and whether there's longevity uh, in what Pep uh, can do that because to some extent people know what Mar- the way that a Mourinho side is going to set up they know the way that an Arsene Wenger side is going to set up they know to some extent what Pochettino is going to do in the Premier League now but Pep Guardiola was somewhat of an unknown quantity and very similar with Liverpool as well you know for a while they were unknown, an unknown quantity and now people know a bit more about them um, the same with Pep 
as well. In the end, there are going to be managers who find a way. And I think it sort of showed that if anyone can do it, it's going to be a pressing guy, which is why the clash between City and, uh, and Spurs this weekend looks so exciting. It does. And that, that's the other thing as well, is, is the two managers have history in Spain. Um, it was Pochettino's Espanyol that beat Guardiola's Barcelona. It was. When... Didn't he say that he was one of the best managers he faced or something like that? If not the he best did. manager face in Spain, um, which was clearly also a dig at Mourinho. <laughs> um, he, he did, and he said, as I remember, he said as well at the time that uh, Pochettino's Espanyol side reminded him a lot of his own Barcelona side in terms of the the way they played. Um, <laughs> you remind me a lot of myself, and that's beautiful. Yeah, and and you can, I mean, look, you can trace the genesis of Pochettino all the way back to Bielsa and you know Newells and and all that kind of stuff, and that is a fun journey to. To undertake, um, I think that's the the interesting subplot here is that I wouldn't say that Pochettino as much as has figured Guardiola out as he's someone that understands how you can unsettle a Guardiola team, and that is a major step towards trying to get a result. Mm, interesting stuff. Uh, of course, on Friday night, Everton won, Crystal Palace won. Chris, did you watch this one? Because I did. It was actually. It was actually a really good game. It was. It was a very good game. Mm-hmm. Um, Palace should have won it, right? Yeah, I, I, I like... Uh, I know, it's hard to I like to elements hard. of this Palace time. <laughs> um, I like elements of this Palace team. I also think, and tell me if you agree, they are a little bit limited in what they can do. Absolutely. There's, there's only really one way this Palace team can play in my opinion and it's sort of it, it it comes with an intensity which you know is going to wear them down and also again sort of again mimics exactly in the past what's happened with the Pardew side where it's so positive it's so great but it, it's like we say it always burns out and it's all well and good us sort of saying well he's cracked it he's done it but ultimately we we sort of know there's a a, 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 a sort of a, a half-life on this stuff essentially, yeah. that they have. And that half-life is a lot less than, say, you know, decaying nuclear waste. Yeah, I'm also surprised that Kabai isn't starting. Apparently, it was to do with his fitness uh, and also, obviously, the introduction of someone like Balassi to make a bit more space in the midfield for someone like him. Um, that those two maybe didn't match up. Uh, not that they play in similar positions, but that the overall balance of the side would not be the same. And apparently, he likes the balance of Balassi a little bit more, which is why... I think Kabai was born quite late last night, um, on Friday night, and um, essentially we, you know, we saw a bit more conservatism from the Palace mm. side after they, after they legitimately, I think, gone two-one up with a sort of right but sort of wrong offside call. Yeah, I, th- I think as I think as well, uh, James McCarthy has been quite good for them, which mm. has also facilitated Kabai being on the bench. He was. He was good when I saw him last weekend against Sunderland. Um, I mean, that team in general, the the three-two game. It was such a weird one because there wasn't really a clear winner in the two sides. I think Palace had the better of it in that game. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's the thing with Pardew. You think, well, he's got all of the pieces now that he needs for the, the way he usually plays. So, and I said this at the time, he's under a lot of pressure now. He's got to get it to work. If if it doesn't, if they don't really start to climb towards at least mid-table, probably a little bit higher, 
then I mean that's the thing. Just I think just because he spent so much on Menteke, you've now got to think right. He's got to finish maybe at least ninth or above. Yeah. Because that was but, a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. But I mean, it's also sort of the club mentality at Palace is, oh, are we supposed to be here? We're not quite, you know, with a plucky underdog. And that sort of suits him a little bit because it allows him space and time. And really, it's not the people within the club that are questioning him. I think it's the people outside Have you met Steve Parrish out of curiosity? I, I haven't. I've never, I've never been in the parish, so to speak. Have, have you been, you've been to, to Sellers Park, though? I've been to, yeah, I've been there quite a bit, actually. I think that might be the stadium in London I've visited most. Is it as good as Obviously people outside make of Wembley, out? being a Liverpool fan. Uh, so what? Is it as good as people make out? Uh, better, I think. I think you don't realise until you get there, sort of the contract. Because I've been in a few different places in the stadium and the, the lovely part is obviously they've got their big newsstand, which has got two uh, tiers to it. Uh, but then you can also sort of go lower down in one of the pitch side stands where you feel very close to the action. Um, mm. And I've been with, you know, some real Crystal Palace fans um, and the atmosphere there is fantastic. Uh, they keep it going throughout the game, and you know they're, they're great fans. Um, I'd say maybe the best fans in the Premier League, actually, in terms of atmosphere oh, wow. and voice. Uh, but they're, the only problem is they uh, they're very intelligent football fans as well. A lot of people sort of suggesting substitutions before they happen, or sort of reading the game very well. Um, but then the only issue is obviously that they are Crystal Palace. You know, mm-hmm. is it? Crystal Palace, is, for me, is also such a marketable side. I mean, you know, if you take the word Crystal and Palace, both those are great words. They have an eagle on their jersey or whatever, and they have a great home kit, which looks similar to Barcelona. Like, it's such a marketable team. Yes, I would agree with that. Mm. Um, do, you, do, you think, do you think it could be marketable if it was bigger, though? Do you think... I, I sometimes wonder if if one of the reasons it's successful is because it's not a big team. I think, it, but it, surely they're they're judging their success within the limitations of what they have, and so people yeah, see that as like successful. A, appeal a little bit, yeah. Um, although they don't. It's quite... not Arsenal. It's not like, but like I mean, Fulham's growth was always because they had like Americans in the side. Obviously, I, if I'm honest, I think that from outside the club, there's sort of a tacky appeal to Crystal Palace in a sense. Um, right. It's if you are in London. The kits are never particularly well made. Uh, you know, they're sometimes a little bit too blocky if you're going from a hipster's perspective, um, which I am. Um, uh, you know, they've never really had players who are considered to be cool, but they're sort of good. Yeah, and like Lombardo. Exactly. Uh, and even Kabai and people like that. And, you know, they've had a couple of... Basically, it, it's a club that's lovable. Do you know what I mean? You, they've got really lovable fans. The only aspect that I don't really like is Alan Pardew, but that's by the by, really. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm inclined to agree. One of Pardew's close mates, uh, Harry Redknapp, Chris, has uh, been quoted in a national newspaper as saying that players under his leadership have taken um, the option to bet on games that they were involved in. Mm. That's illegal. Can I read you the quote? Go ahead. Um, this is possibly one of my favourite things. Do you, can I also um, say, before you read the quote, what I loved was that um, when the initial Sam Allardyce stuff came out, um, Harry Redknapp's reply was, A, um, oh, well, uh, entrapment's one, eh? Entrapment's one. And then secondly, it was, but I haven't done anything. And everyone sort of went, 
no, no one was saying that you have, uh, Harry. And he just sort of kept going, no, I haven't done anything. And you're like, yes. No, quite so, aware of that. So thank you to, to Aaron Gordon for bringing this to my attention. But it, it leads, told it would have been against FA rules. He replied, oh, would it? Oh, okay. But not at the time, I don't think it was, was it? They weren't betting on the other team. They were having a bet on their own team. Brilliant. And that, I, I just think that is... That is the words of someone that really doesn't know that he's just got himself in trouble. Absolutely. I mean, to some extent, I do kind of find it a little bit weird that players can't bet on their own. I know, uh, if it, I mean, essentially what I'm saying is the only way that a player should be able to bet on their own team if it's, if, is if the bet is us to win. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't mean that they should make it legal, but you, you know what I mean? The only bet that a player should be able to make is we win today. Not the scoreline, none of those other things, none of the details, but literally just a football win. Mm-hmm. Outside yeah, of corners, that, free kicks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Anything God, yeah. that's... That would be a little bit... Just, I just, in general, I don't... When there's that many sports, though, I don't understand why you need to bet on stuff. Like, if you can bet on horses and all this kind of stuff, why do you need to bet on football? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you are for once validating what Michael Owen did during his career? I mean, I mean yeah, possibly. It's it's just... I've, ne- I've never fully grasped it, why why there's this need for players to, to bet. It just... It's a little bit weird. Yeah. Hmm. Um, let's move on to another club in London who are slightly, uh, they're not in a better position, actually. Uh, Conte and Chelsea, Chris, uh, Conte says he's got no magic wand to solve problems. He's already at that stage. Yeah, it's, I I think. Conte, here's a book of English cliches. Go read this one. (laughs) It's a game of two halves. Um, I just think he's come arrived at that club at a really bad time. They're, they're stuck right in the middle of a transition period in the sense that a lot of the, the, the players who were established at that club are probably a little bit too old. And the, the young players that they've got on the books are maybe a year or two away from being ready to, to take over. A year or two? Jesus, that's being generous. People like, I mean, the, the one that always gets thrown around is Andreas Christensen. Um, maybe Tammy Abraham, if if he's pretty, if he if he's pre- as precocious as his numbers would suggest. It's it's just like I say, it's a year or two away from being kind of ready for what's needed. Correct, and and that's that's where you have to kind of. I would say level a bit of blame at the club's higher ups for not preparing them for this. They've they are a club for me that have consistently just bought uh, ready-made stars, and the ones that they've tried to buy for tomorrow, so to speak, they've not had any patience with at all. Well, yeah, because they've expected them to perform today. Like they had De Bruyne, they had Lukaku, they had Salah. <laughs> Oh, it's just so funny, isn't it? Your shit, mate. Oh, for fuck. Yeah, it's it's very, like I said, it's a, it's a very um, it's a very impatient approach, and it's it has really cost them. If you think, and as I said this at the start of the season, the the decision by Mourinho to let Lukaku, De Bruyne, etc., go 
was not the mistake. The mistake was not putting buyback clauses in those deals. Yeah, absolutely. And then you'd imagine that that's not Mourinho's fault at that point. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about Premier League-wise? Is there anything that sort of catches your eye uh, this week I'm sort of looking through some of these fixtures it's actually quite a good weekend of football this weekend guys um, Hull City Chelsea massive game for Chelsea um, David Moyes needs a win David Moyes does need a win do you feel a little bit sorry for Moyes at this point or do you sort of feel well you kind of took the job and then instantly well, started saying we're not going to go down no David the, no one thought you were his approach with the players is really bizarre to me the fact he keeps blaming them it's fantastic, isn't it? It's just, it's. I just, I don't understand how he expects them to to go to bat for him, so to speak, when he's constantly saying, "Well, you know, I think the players have got to look at themselves at this point." So like, that's that's not the siege mentality that you need when you're at the bottom. <laughs> he's trying. What he's trying to show the players is that he's the one outside the castle. Yeah, or outside the tent, so to speak, as Mick McCarthy once said. Yeah. Yes. It's a very good point. Yeah. David, do you realise which direction you're pissing in? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Not again. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, I just don't understand it. And they've got potentially a horrible home game against West Brom. Yeah, yeah. That, which, I mean, you know, that's not going to do them any favours, is it? They're um, just not a nice team to, to face. Also, this podcast, this podcast will have come out by this point. 3pm um, today. Really good kickoff. Mm. West Ham, Middlesbrough. I mean... If, if West Ham lose to Middlesbrough, which let's face it, it's not unlikely considering the way that Middlesbrough are. Yes, uh, and and also sort of the qualities of both sides. We're looking at a bit of a meltdown, aren't we? Yeah, but you'll see some terrific content. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Uh, I feel very sorry for West Ham fan TV at times because the guy who runs it is actually a really nice guy. Essentially, what they're watching is their own fans cannibalise each other. Now, part of it, I do feel. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because actually, there are elements where you think, you know what, other fan channels may have edited that out because they didn't want to make their fans look stupid. Um, West Ham are quite honest in that. Like, West Ham fan TV got it. I've, I almost give them credit for that. They're, it's quite honest. And I understand they almost, they need the drama to get clicks, those sort of things. But that is a very sort of open approach. This guy comes over and says, don't fucking interview him. That guy's one of the mainstays yes. on the channel. Um Yes. The, the thing the thing I struggle with, it's a lot of, there's a lot of heightened expectation after one season, for starters. Yeah, that is so, I mean, even, even you know, watching fans say, um, you know, I don't enjoy coming here anymore after they've lost, what is it, five games in a row. Yeah. Like, really, that's, it's a terrible start of the season. I'm not sure if it's enough to say, I don't enjoy coming here anymore. Well, I mean, it is very different to the bowling ground. Uh, you know, they had a massive send-off last season. There are elements of it is a little bit difficult to sort of follow up on such a... It's just very definitive, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the discussion is very, I hate this, I love this. And I also take some issue with just some of the understanding of the situation. So there was a, I watched, because um, I do actually watch it quite consistently. Um, I think it's called the post-match pint, where they all kind of sit down and just dissect the game as a... A threesome? It's actually... Wow. Uh, God, that is... Uh, is that on Red Tube or what? Um, <laughs> and they were talking about the summer spending. <laughs> but anyway, that's the first session over. Let's get back to West Ham. <laughs> Fuck me. There's an image. Oh, it's just in every orifice. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, God, as if we're not getting fucked enough out on the pitch. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, the, so they the talk about transfers and uh, they quote the figure 60 million and say that they haven't spent nearly that. And they, they count up the transfer fees and then one guy, I don't know his name, says, oh, well, you know, they've included Zazak because uh, he could cost 25 million. That, for me, ignores a lot of different things. It ignores agent fees, tra- uh, wages, all that kind of thing. So, on the surface, the club might not have spent £60 million in front of your eyes. But actually, when you include wages, all that stuff... They've spent a fuck ton. I'd be amazed if they haven't spent close to £60 million. Even then, they've spent they've spent good enough money that they should be getting better results than this. Because mm-hmm. you've got the... Stuff. I mean, you've got like the pie extension as well. That wasn't cheap. That's a very good point. Yeah, that's that's going to set you back a lot as well. I, the more I look at that, the more I think he played them very well as a football club. Yeah. I, for all the talk of Madrid wanting him and, and all, I never saw any consistency in that or any truth to it. There was, was never a moment where I thought, oh yeah, Real Madrid really do want this guy. Because he, he was 29... <sighs> Whenever I watch him, he doesn't look in the best shape he could be. He always looks like he's carrying just a little bit more than he should. Yeah, good point. He's not the quickest. He's exceptionally talented. I don't I don't debate that at all. Technically, he's wonderful. I don't know if he's a real Madrid quality player, though. I also don't know if Madrid would want him. Uh, I, th- I think it was much more a Zidane sort of, you know... Anyway, Zidane. It just felt like an easy story to write, didn't it? it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it also feels like the kind of thing that gets West Ham fans clicking. And I, I said it myself. I think that if someone had come in with a big bid, they would have been shrewd to let the player go and made yeah, a 100%. big and made a big club move, which would have been actually we don't need you, um, and actually we need to build a bigger system than just looking where's Pyatt on the pitch. There he is. Get the ball to him. Um, but see, then that's the thing as well. Is if you go, if you kind of stack these um, videos, these discussion videos up. There's one in the summer where they're talking about how, uh, how influential he is, how important he is, how it's great they've kept him. And then there's another one where it's like, uh, you know, if we had the chance, we, we probably should have sold in the second. His head, you know, his head was turned in the summer. I don't think his head was turned. I think just teams are shutting him down a lot more. Yeah. Because he really does stand in isolation in terms of players likely to create for them. Yeah, very good point. Um, and it, but I mean, not only does he stand in isolation metaphorically, he also stands in isolation physically out on the pitch sometimes as well. Because um, mm. anyway, I did, I did get to watch him last season. Um, of course, yeah. in person, and it was a game he didn't shine in. He was very easily marginalised. And I, I wrote at the time, I wrote something that said, if if West Ham are going to stand any chance of getting into Europe, it's all about how he performs. Uh, yeah, and yes. it's, it's it's telling to me that in the second season, as they are struggling, so too is he. Uh, yeah, there are elements of the early Coutinho's about him, aren't there? Um, yeah, but he's twenty nine. He's twenty nine. Yeah, although some people are late bloomers, Totti. Uh, although Totti bloomed early, did even better, and is now blooming again. What's going on with Totti, Chris? I mean, I don't, I don't watch an awful lot of Syria, so I can't really comment. But, you know, he obviously he doesn't look like his younger self, but he's going no. out there and uh, influencing games massively for them. And that's, I mean... He's that's... like a closer in baseball. They, they bring him on just when they feel like 
trying something a bit different. That's exactly the answer that I was looking for. Uh, of course, Roma this weekend play Inter, uh, the final game of the weekend, actually, in Serie A. That is going to be a bloody good game. Um, and he's, that... he's got previous against Inter as well. Yes. He's got, he scored one of what I would argue is his best goals ever against Inter. And he scored a lot of good goals. You know how he had that habit for chipping people at one point? Yes. He, he scored one of those goals against Inter. It was beautiful. Love that. I want to say Taldo was in there. I bet Toldo was in there. I used to love Inter for a kit. Uh, but no. Yeah, we don't talk about Toldo much, do we? No. You know what? No one ever does, really. Uh, th- you know what? There's a lot of Serie A stuff that we don't talk about, but I'm, I'm saving that for when Marcus Bella comes on the podcast. Um, like Toldo, because... Pal- Paliuka. There's, there's a lot of players we just... When you, when you reflect on the past, you just don't mention. Because there were so many. Hmm. Because they're, they're, that, that league at the time had so many... I mean, there's so many. Uh, Christian Vieri still doesn't get enough mention. You know what? The problem is, when people say no one ever speaks about, it tends to be the phrase no one ever speaks about and then they name a player that everyone always says no one ever speaks about. Um, anyway. Yes. Uh, AC Milan plays Sassuolo this weekend. Uh, the only reason I say that is because Sassuolo is a really satisfying club name to say. Uh, Empoli play Juventus. Uh, skipping over to Spain, this is a good game on Sunday morning, Chris. 11 a.m. UK time, I'm guessing. Valencia play Atletico Madrid. Oof. Oof. Am I right? It's not a good idea. If you're Valencia. Yeah. Uh, Madrid, Madrid uh, of course, this season have been uh, quite an interesting uh, proposition, haven't they? Because, you know, they've not been dominant in the sense of... Um, in the sense that they were in previous seasons. Essentially, this is a slightly changed beast. And you can see a little bit why uh, Simeone was considering walking out after they lost uh, the last Champions League, can't you, Chris? They've, they've been unreal defensively, though, haven't they? No, absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. Is that it is a slightly different beast, though, in the way that they play. You know, it is, they do still have that sort of in conservative break mentality about them. They're still very intense. But it's been, it is now looking to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I saw someone say that, um, and I forget who it was, that watching Atletico is like watching a team perform a bank job every week. Like it's it's so they really do run across the line of success and failure, um, like a tightrope walker. And I think I I will be amazed if he is at that club in twelve months' time. I think he leaves in the summer, which then starts massive rumours in uh, about Griezmann and everyone else. Um, of course, it's also, also an interesting part of his career as well. Because because then he has to try and well he doesn't have to but the the decision is then made does he does he go somewhere else and try to replicate what he did there or does he change his approach entirely it, it's essentially what I'm saying is 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 the approach with Atletico now a consequence of where he's at or a consequence of his style as a manager. Mm. Uh, on the flip side of that, their opponents on uh, Sunday morning, of course, two games now on the bounce. They've won, uh, first of all, against uh, Deportivo Alaves and then obviously against Sad. Uh, but before that, they had a run of awful games. Um, I think it was four games, in a, three games in a row they lost. Uh, one against Ibar, uh, Las Palmas and uh, Real Batiste. Uh, and it, things weren't looking great for them. Um, yeah, How anyway. great are Las Palmas? Uh, do you want the rating or just as a, as a concept? <laughs> well, how do you mean? Oh my God. Nabil Al-Zahar is still there. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, quite plucky, you know, fronted by Kevin Prince Boateng. There's just, I feel like there's a lot to enjoy about them. Yeah. If if I was new to Spanish football, I would be hitching myself firmly on that wagon. Do you not think it's another one of those sort of Spanish things, though, where it explodes for a season and then sort of goes the other way? I would argue probably yes. But then, to, to go down that hipster rabbit hole for a second, I remember a few years ago when they had uh, TAV, I think his name's TAV Buffuma. He was at West Brom for a very short period. He was, you know, he just destroyed the second tier. He was quick, strong, everything that uh, everything that kind of scores goals in that in that division. But they've got uh, who do you call it? Oh, Marco Levaya. One ta- once of Inter fame. Oh, very good point. Uh, going back to Syria. Um, now, let's quickly talk this weekend, Chris, about FanDuel. We love FanDuel on this podcast, uh, and they are our first ever sponsors. I'd be surprised to hear. Um, those guys came in, they said, hey, the guys who listen to your podcast must love football. And we said, you listen then? They said, eh. Um, and then they told us this weekend the best place to go is the £6,000 fan favourite game. So head over there if you're not already a part of FanDuel. Um, and put in the code I am the whole, all uppercase. That's the, the, the promo code I am the whole, and you guys could be playing uh, with some great benefits to being one of the whole. Um, apparently, they match uh, any of your uh, initial sort of input uh, in money-wise on the uh, on the game, and not only that, but I think they return. Uh, the money that you lose if you don't win any on your first uh, on your first yes. go, which is, which is good. It's good. It's just it's good. good. Not, not a lot of people do that in fairness. Yeah, and that's why I like FanDuel. FanDuel are really going for it this season. Uh, I know they're going for it absolutely everywhere, but they really are. So go over there and use the promo code I am the whole and uh, enter the six thousand pound fan favorite. It's just five pounds entry. You'd have to be in the UK for that one though. Um, yeah, Chris and I are uh, Chris. Uh, obviously Fungal is also based on this sort of point system which is based on an optostat here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And so it's a bit fairer than just sort of goals and, uh, you know, just the obvious things in a game. It's actually quite good. So Liverpool are actually a really good team for that this season uh, because, you know, obviously they're top on so many of the stats lists. And there are so many players in there that seem to get touches and be doing critical things in each move that they share around the points. 
Um, mm. So you've got a few good players in there. Firmino, Sadio, Sadio Mane, like you said in your preview on Twitter. Go and take a look at that. Um, Jordan Henderson's probably a good bet. Uh, as is Felipe Caccinio. I'm told that they say in Brazil. Um, who has also just said how much he loves being in Liverpool, how much it feels like home. Lovely. Uh, I like Coutinho. You know what, Chris? I love Coutinho. And after you told me a bit of that story a few seasons ago, you know, when um, he first joined the club, he was quite a, quite a quiet guy, quite humble. I've only seen that from him. He's been nothing but lovely. Mm. His, his Twitter from uh, way back when is brilliant as well. Uh, yeah, I bet it is. Also, his hair. Like, like a very polite young son checking in with his mum. Yeah. Just on my way out to dinner, uh, back at six. Played a game today, scored two goals. Now I go eat. Yeah. <laughs> Love, Philippe. Um, Philippe. Uh, anyway, Chris, let's go uh, into the Q&A Saturday. First question. Uh, is Mane world class? That yeah. one comes from Martinas. Yes, he's he, he's on. I would say he's on the path between showing glimpses towards it. He, I mean, when you say he needs the consistency, that sounds like a criticism. It's genuinely not. I think he's just at a level now where he's he's with a top tier club. So I think he's at, uh, based on his Liverpool career thus far. Yes, he is world class. Hmm. He could still drop out of that, but at the minute he's he's showing enough consistency for me to say yes. Good answer, Chris. Uh, trajectory is the hashtag trajectory. Um, Chris, he also asked the question, should Wenger become just a director of football at Arsenal after this season? It's funny because actually uh, Robert Perez in an interview recently said that he wanted to become a director of football or a sporting director at Arsenal next. It's a good question. I was debating this quite recently. On the surface, you would say yes, wouldn't you? Yes. And would- yet... You could argue, is it not wise to, and maybe Jetson has, sounds quite harsh, move him on so that the person that replaces him has sort of free reign to establish their own identity? Yes, very good point. Because in, in, in theory, the director of football, sporting director, whichever term you would like to apply, usually dictates the procedure or the procedures all the way down the club. And so how much do you move away from that? And also how much sort of agency do you give a new manager? And which top coaches and managers out there realistically want to work in that system? Hmm. I wonder if, I mean, this is only something he can answer. I wonder if he'd be interested in working in the same guys, but just for the youth academy. Which really would be fantastic because you imagine Wenger getting his hands on young players. Uh, not literally. Mm. Um, it'd, be, it'd be a good test for um, for the theory. Yes, exactly. Uh, does our, This one comes from Solomon Chris. Hey, Solomon, great guy. Uh, does Arsenal uh, score many, so many goals because Sanchez plays as a striker or despite that? Um, a little from column A, a little from column B. Sometimes in some games they yeah. score a lot of goals because he's a striker, so he sort of leads them in one way. Um, and then other times they score a lot of goals sort of despite the system play I feel like he's a goal scorer he's a fantastic goal scorer but they do score goals despite his usage if you, like, if you know what I mean I, I want to say it was Dave when we last did a pod with him Dave? 
said something along the lines of he, he quoted some stat and said the most of any midfield forward hybrid. And that's the way I look at Sanchez. He's not really a forward. He's not really a midfielder. He's he's somewhere it's in the hybrid, middle. Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, like he plays best as a false nine. I wouldn't say he's a traditional winger. Yeah, although, you know, how many people realistically like, um, you know, uh, the the uh, Prius? Um, a hybrid. Uh, next question, Chris. Assuming there's no lifetime ban, uh, says George Hall, will Allardyce manage again? Yes. I, I almost think he'd be astute to get straight back into the game, don't you? Uh, why? What's what's the reason in there? What's the thought process? Just sort of, you know, uh, just sort of showing his worth, if you like, as a manager and showing what he's actually good at and sort of moving on straight away from uh, said issues. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's not, that's not a terrible idea. That's not a, not a bad point. Um, yes, he, and I, it's funny, I had this chat with, with um, my old man about this. Um, yes, he will find work again. Um, be purely because uh, Chen Evans got work again. You're right. Um, there are people who have done, I would argue, far more serious crimes and found work. Don't really know what to say to that. But do you know what I mean? It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It? I mean, yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. I appreciate uh, that that Evans is currently in the middle, I believe, of a a retrial or something like that. He's appealed. Yeah, yeah. I think he appealed, but I think this is now a retrial. There's something weird going on there. Um, there was that Plymouth goalkeeper who was involved in a uh, a crash that killed someone. Lee Hughes was involved in, I believe, in similar. He was involved in a crash that killed someone. If that kind of person can get work. I understand, sure I understand that, but then there is also that sort of, there's the difference between, well, this is football, you know, he's doing football. He was talking about, Sam Allard, the, the difficulty here is Sam Allard was talking about football, whereas both those guys almost have unfootball. I know it's stupid to cut things off and everything's related and everything's linked. And essentially both of them got there because of their status as footballers. But Sam Allard was doing something directly related to football, whereas Chad Evans and the other guys were not necessarily directly related to football. So people sort of said things like, oh, it's not really within the bounds of the game, etc., etc., um, which makes it difficult uh, when you're arguing. Um, but I see what you mean. Uh, the True Geordie says, change your shit logo, Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence says, fuck off. Um, can Liverpool and Tottenham both finish in the top four together, Chris? Um, when they say together, do you think they mean holding hands? Yes. Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, yeah, if two clubs sort of agreed to finish in third and fourth, respectively. Uh, I think they both can, if I'm honest. I think they're both two of the stronger teams in the league this season. Um, team Chris, oh, this one's a good one. I, there are some good uh, hypotheticals here. Uh, Sammy Mackney says, what's your opinion on letting Scottish teams join the English league, i.e. teams like Rangers, Celtic and Aberdeen? No. Did no want that to happen? Why, Chris? Because it's going to kill the Scottish game. Yes, very good point, yeah. And actually, like the Scottish game is looking resplendent right now. To, to borrow a quote from one of our favourite films, you spent so long working out whether you could do it that you didn't ask yourself whether you should do it. 
excellent use of movie quotes. Uh, Chris, Sammy also says, do you believe it is possible the MLS can, the MLS, the MLS can bring a big brand into the, in the US considering the competition from other sports? Do you think it's possible that they can become a big brand? I really think they are a fairly big brand, aren't they? I mean, they're a big brand already. They can become a big brand or bring one in because they've got a Heineken Beca- involved. Become a big brand. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think, I think it needs to to keep evolving. I think um, it's difficult because the emergence of Pulisic at Dortmund mm. has maybe pushed it half a step back um, and reaffirmed the notion for some that Europe is the best place to play. Yet, I would also argue, you look at Jordan Morris, who was brilliant last Sunday against LA Galaxy, scored some some really wonderful goals. He turned down the chance to play in Europe so he could play in MLS. So in, in some ways, he was kind of seen as the, the, the golden child for that. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. The poster boy for that league. Um, but yeah, I think I think it will. I think I think there will come a, there will come a stage where the quality will rise sufficiently and also fans in that country will appreciate the nuance of getting to watch games in person over watching them exclusively on television. Yeah, very good point. Also, MLS is just, it's just a, you know, anything that happens in the States tends to be incredible. NBA, NFL, NH, all those things. You're traveling around some of the best cities in the world and some of the most diverse cities to go and watch great sports. That's that's one issue though is the is the travel like to yeah. see pretty much any away game you're gonna struggle. But, well, I mean you know within I mean, if, yeah within if you if you New York realistically you can do the opposite team to whichever one you support in New York DC Red Bull uh, DC and Philly you're, yeah and, you're, you're, and then maybe that, you Miami a push you're also sort of um, uh, sorry Orlando. Uh, Forgot the Miami went there yet, um, you, but you're also sort of lucky because you're in New York. There, I, I imagine it's more difficult for, say, a Kansas fan or uh, you know DC mm-hmm. United, not DC, is it? No, Columbus Crew to get anywhere because no, actually, no, Columbus is near quite a big airport. Um, even Chicago, they have the, it, basically you need a good airport near you and you're sorted. Um, but maybe we're, maybe I'm talking shit there. And maybe New York is maybe the only place you can get that. If you are in America, Nipun, uh, then let us know. Uh, that's that's the one benefit is because Americans move so freely within their own country for work and such like. Yeah, you'll normally get a pocket of, of away fans at games. It's it's just the notion of one of one of the benefits I find of, of football is that it facilitates you to travel. Yes. Um, so. I mean, take our own clubs, for example. I know one of the things that have kept my friends interested in Newcastle this season is the fact that you get to go to very random places. So some friends of mine are at Rotherham today. It's it's the idea of it, the, it will the take you to dream. new places. Yeah. Uh, God, I remember thinking as a kid, all the places I'll go, Rotherham. <laughs> the championship. The championship. Will it be Rotherham? Yeah. Or Barnsley? It is Rotherham. <laughs> I thought when I first came here, Rotherham or Barnsley, maybe one of them we would draw. Um, 
Oh, I was I watching you. that the other night. I love Steve McLaren. I, sometimes I just go back and watch that Steve McLaren clip time after time after time, and I don't know what he's doing, but it he makes won me the feel, league. It makes me feel great affection for Steve McLaren. He, he genuinely won the league with that team. I thought when I first came here, Champions League. He doesn't even say Champions League. He says Champions League. Uh, Imagine if he got a job in the J League. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's a big kimono, no. Um, how... I love that image. I'm turning up in a kimono. Did you just get out of the shower, Steve? No? What? <laughs> Slides the little paper door back. <laughs> Steve? Uh, I thought when I first Origato. came... Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo. Um, it's good to see you, Steve. Uh, I think he's a lovely guy. I feel absolutely sorry <laughs> <laughs> just uh, like the idea of making a massive full bar and then going and sliding the door back and you can just see the outline of him starting to cry. You can just see the outline of him putting an umbrella up. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, why, Chris, this is a good one from Piotr Gala. Why or how is Serie A such a great league for preserving the longevity of players' careers? Totti's on fire. Closer was great, etc., etc. Uh, I guess that an easy answer there, Chris, would be the pace of the league. Mm, the the physical demands are not as as pressing. I think we discussed this before. There's a documentary with with Gaza. I can't for the life of me remember the name of it. It's on YouTube, um, and it chronicles his first sort of year or so, eighteen months from Tottenham to Lazio, and and they ask him, you know, what what's the differences? What what have you noticed since you, you came to Serie A? And he says, well, in England, the defenders used to run at me all the time. Whereas in Italy they stand off you and they make they make you beat them. Yeah. Like you have to to be a little bit clever, a little bit smarter to try and get past them. Mm. Which I guess that, but then would surely that make it more physically demanding for a striker? Although maybe not as not physically demanding in a sort of physical sense, if that makes sense. It's it's a lot of two three yard battles, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Does it make sense? In in terms of. You don't you don't have to be going up and down. You just have to be a little bit quicker in, in that first few yards. Matt W says, uh, if so, oh sorry, uh, with Carrick aging but still seeming vital to Manchester United's success, I wouldn't seem vital, but okay. Uh, do they need to look into the transfer market for a replacement? Uh, second tweet. If so, uh, they look for a similar player. Like uh, Jorginho, Jorginho, is it Jorginho or Jorginho? Um, or get a player of a different style like William Carvalho? Um, Carvalho is a funny one. Have you seen much of him? Uh, honestly, not enough uh, that I would say he can he do a good job for Mourinho, though. At his best, he, he does look worth all the hype. Yeah. Um, and there was a game recently. Oh, which one was it? Was it Estoril? Anyway, there was a game I watched recently, um, and I thought, wow, okay, this guy's well. But then there have also been matches where I've watched them and thought, you look like the laziest son of a gun to ever tread onto a football field. There are times he looks very lethargic. And the, again, I wouldn't say I've seen mountains of him. If I was forced to, to put forth an opinion, I'd say he's exactly the kind of player who leaves Portugal and never truly justifies the hype. Well, then you'd hope they would hook up with a Portuguese manager like Mourinho and have some hype around him. Uh, so you, you know, you know the 
players, and I hate to say this because I do, I do love them. Miguel Veloso, those oh, kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even they, the they guys who Portugal. maybe were rumored a few years ago, like um, Giammatinho. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Moutinho at least has had a decent career post Sporting, so he went. Craig, where did he go? Yeah, they sold him to Porto, and that kind of kicks actually kickstarted his career properly again, and he's been very good ever since. Still within Portugal, isn't it? Uh, he's still within Portugal, or no? No, it still was within Portugal that he initially yes. went. Yeah, um, yeah, but I know what you mean. Oh, no. Yeah, even I mean even Charisma, those sort of guys, you wish that there had been more to their careers. Yes. You do. There's so many times where you feel like Chelsea ruin a career. I'd have, I'd mm. love to see Charisma under another manager. Um, Chris, with the quality of managers now in the Premier League, uh, do you think English clubs in a few years will dominate the UCL again? Um, I think certain. I mean, you know, we, we skipped over Leicester earlier. They're the only club with a hundred percent record remaining in the Champions League, Chris, in uh, in English clubs. Port for everybody. Exactly. The night before games, Jamie Vardy would uh, drink port from a Lucasade bottle. And then on the day of the game, he would have uh, three Red Bull and an espresso. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I do know about this. Uh, yeah. God, I really do know about that. Um, he said it he's probably going to die at 32. <laughs> Didn't he say it? T- uh, what I thought was quite sweet was he said, um, you know, when you first go out and start drinking with your mates and you go, oh, I'll try this, mate. And he goes, well, that's all right. He goes, tastes just like Ribena. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, you know it's more potent than Ribena, though, don't you, Jamie? My God. Yeah. He's a curious character, isn't he? Uh, yeah. In, in, the, in the sense of... By the way, Swansea's just gone 1-0 up against Liverpool. Bam! Take that. Gwydalyn wins. There's... Um, Leroy there's that. Well, there's that story about the casino, obviously, that kind of still hangs around like a bad smell. Yeah. Um, when you say bad smell and hangs around like, what you mean is he still hasn't truly answered his critics when people say you're a fucking racist. Well, no, he, he. I think he said quite recently, actually, that had he known it was a racist term, he wouldn't have used it. Uh, ignorance is no defence, but okay. No, it's not. You're right. But he has at least answered the question. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. my Actually, that shows my ignorance, Chris. And as an ignorant journalist, I should eat my own words. What? Typical white man. Tip- Very good. Um, yeah, you're right. Not reading enough. Not looking into other people's cultures. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was texting my girlfriend quite recently, and she was like, Ten minutes what's ago. the most obnoxious thing you could say to me? And she's obviously Latin. Yeah. And I text back, when are we going to start talking about white people's problems? Very good, Chris. That's excellent. That's And you know what? That is truly obnoxious. Um, <laughs> Anyway, Liverpool uh, 1-0 down against Swansea. Wow. Uh, wow is Chris's re- uh, preview well off. Um, although he didn't say that Swansea wouldn't score. So, um, Anyway, uh, oh, back to the questions. Good. Uh, Chris, Matt Brownie Cake, real name, uh, says... Uh, ah, yes, of the Brownie Cake dynasty. <laughs> he, says, he says, football is a simple sport. Uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> when are you going to talk about cakes? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we, public media, etc., overcomplicate it for further entertainment? Um, I'll let you go first on this one because I have my own views, but obviously I, I see his point a little bit. There are definitely times when 
I will see kind of these tactical experts on Twitter and things and think that that just seems needlessly complicated. And yet there is a lot of logic to what they say in the same instance. So it's it's not stupidity. I think what I would say is now more than ever, we discuss the things that go on in between the football a lot more than we do the actual football. Yes. That, that for me, so the, the press conferences, the transfers, all that kind of stuff has become a much bigger part of the portrait than the actual game itself. Yeah, I feel like it's become, uh, you know, I feel like the, what the media do is a very good job of looking as if they're analysing something that's key, but not actually analysing something that's key. When there's actually something much more of it, it's a little, it feels a little bit like a magic trick sometimes when you watch what they're doing, doesn't it? Because they're sort of going, look over here, look over here, not over there, look over here, and I've got your watch. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Well, the thing is as well, and I said this this week on TFR, um, as, a, as, a, as a viewership, we've never had more access to football. Yeah. We've never had more opportunity. And like I say, I find, that's why I find it quite funny that we don't, that, that also, in amongst that, we don't discuss the actual game itself more. But it means you can get lost down rabbit holes. Like I make a living covering Major League Soccer, and I can watch Leon Bailey for Genk, and I can watch the J League if I want. We've got, we have got such a massive wealth of options. It's uh, we are very spoiled in that sense. Mm, good point. Uh, also good to know that you're moonlighting. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, in the, I think I was the one hosting the show when that happened. Um, yeah, I, I think we overcomplicate it, but maybe in the wrong set. I don't actually think football is a simple sport. I mean, just ask a lot of managers. I mean, you know, essentially it is a simple sport, but I think ma- most managers' reply would be, you know, you don't... Um, I don't know how to put this. Sort of, you don't... You, you are overcomplicating it, yes, but not in the right way. Um, Pep Guardiola would probably reply the same. I mean, you know, Pep Guardiola gets asked so many questions in press conferences, it's ridiculous. How many... Ma- uh, yeah. Bra- Matt Brownie cake again... Chris sent a series of questions. He says, as a manager, how commendable is Wenger for what he has done for Arsenal uh, FC? Stability on and off the pitch, the Premier League, or is Wenger, <laughs> this is a great term for Wenger because I've never thought of him that way, overhyped? No, he's not overhyped. If anything, he's had relentless criticism for half of his career in England. Um, yeah, I mean, the stability is a really good, I think stability is a really undersold point isn't it and maybe sort of speaks to the previous issue that we were talking about that people don't maybe acknowledge the important things there, there was you know what there was quite a prominent debate this week with Keon Hartson Wright Amy Lawrence ah, Gabby yes. Logan yeah, yeah. and Piers Morgan what a lovely dinner um, that looked like <sighs> Piers bloody Morgan oh yeah, god oh, was he here <laughs> oh shit he was insufferable, if I'm really honest. I, I get the points that he was making, and honestly, I don't think the points that he made were uh, terrible or inaccurate, but the way he made them was so incredibly obnoxious. Yeah, it's the same as if um, Kelvin McKenzie went, you know what we should do is we should make sure the NHS is healthy for the rest of its life. Um, it's to, you know, to, And you, you still to, go, great point, Kelvin, but you're still Kelvin McKenzie. To, to borrow another quote from a film, you're not wrong, but you're still an arsehole. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, 
And, and you know what? I, I do also, I like the way that uh, Piers Morgan is challenging gun control in America, but I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure. It's a little bit like when, you know... How genuine is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's A, genuine, and B, it's also sort of... Uh, I'm not sure I want your face to be the one that feels re- is closest to what represents my opinions. Yes, you know a I mean? punch lasagna of a face. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, please do go on, Chris. Um, and they had this debate, and I, and I think... I think looking at the the entire 20 years, he definitely could have done more. He could have and possibly should have achieved more. I think, I think honestly, the difficulty he has is, and this is part of the problem that when it happens in sport, he was ahead of his time and everyone else caught up. And there's only so often, there's only so much, or there's so much, only so many occasions that you can be like that. There comes a point where the 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 things that he was doing, everyone else started to do. So things like, um, you know, signing players from abroad, like Sir Mark Overmars, Will Todd, Perez. Mm. You know, there comes a point when Henri. other managers know that kind of player. Yeah. And your eye has to be, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, your eye for players has to be absolutely brilliant. And it just wasn't. I think... I think overall, he should be appreciated. He should be respected. Um, I think they will look at him as an, an innovator that could have done more. Yeah, good point. Uh, Chris, uh, Matt Brownie Cake also says... Uh, Jesus. If, Seriously, if, why are we talking about if, the cakes? If, um, what is your favourite cake, Chris? Uh, Christ, that's a good one. Yeah. Probably I mean, lemon. Lemon drizzle. Yeah, yeah, lemon drizzle is a good cake. Yeah, still not my favourite cake. What about you? Uh, probably just straight up chocolate cake, but it has to be sort of soft. Not, I don't like hard chocolate cake. And also, some people you can tell it's been made with bad, bad chocolate powder. Um, anyway, Matt Brownie cake, uh, brownies also lovely. Um, if given the power to remove one rule from football, which would you remove? Easy. Uh, he says offside, uh, retrospective bands, etc. I know what I would do, Chris. Um, this one's easy. Come on. The third you know the party rule? ownership. It's just <laughs> it's a useless rule, and it gets everyone into trouble. Come on. Um, why why is no one else talking about third party ownership? Big Sam's being open about it. He is. I mean, I did talk about this today that um, that it seems a little bit hypocritical that on the one hand, Sam Allardyce is discussing things that are illegal and yet the FA ratified a transfer that involved a loophole for third party ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's with Caleri to West Ham, which is absolutely part of the problem out there. Um, Like in theory, you know, if you're going to do it, I mean, that's the thing. It's in the strictest sense, it's, it's not illegal because he was signed on loan from a club, but that club is a known bridge club. Yeah. It's also, yeah, it's, I mean, is it also not part of the problem that you know a few years ago two of the best players actually to grace that position in the Premier League in both those positions Tevez and Mascherano were also signed as part of third party ownership policies. Mm. And and Mascherano couldn't unseat Hayden Mullins if I remember correctly. Yeah, weirdly, uh, but then could uh, get many people in Anfield off their seats. So and yet Hayden Mullins couldn't get into the Argentina squad ironically because actually I think he was just above Mascherano in terms of picking and people often speak about it. some people say Mascherano 
is one of the best players for Argentina ever, Chris. He's the most reliable. In a and team also possibly the most adaptable, which, which is a, if you can get reliable and, and sort of adaptable, I mean, that's a great combo. Mm. So, so the, the Copa America final in the summer was uh, a bit of a shit show for Argentina, for want of a better word. Yeah. The, the, the big players didn't turn up for the most part. And yet, in amongst that, Asherano was brilliant, I thought. I came away thinking he does not deserve to lose this. Yeah, very good point. Um, Chris, I think we've actually run out of questions there. Let me just quickly take a look. It was World Podcast Day, International Podcast Day the other day. Thank you very much to all the people who tweeted uh, tweeted about that. Uh, Carl Zaldiver, which I think is how we say it, uh, also tweeted us the other day, letting us know he tweeted, mark my words, Zidane will get sacked once Casemiro gets injured. That's interesting. There's maybe a little short Twitter video there for you, Chris, to take a look at. Uh, mm. Maybe I'll set you that task this weekend, come Sunday night. Bam. We'll see what you I, can I summarise in a minute. I caught the tweet. It's, um, yeah, he was, he was very influential for the last season. I feel like we discussed that. and we Did we possibly do a little video on that? About his influence? I think we began to speak about Casemiro, didn't we, in a Real Madrid Champions League review video. Because um, he was he was like this understated. It was signed kind of in the same way that uh, was it Lucas, the other midfielder from Brazil. Yes, he's, right. he's one of these kind of talents that they hoover up, and you think, well, there's probably a fifty percent chance that he fails. Yeah, good point. Um, still looking at Celtic, so brave. Uh, someone else tweeted this in just the other day, and you know what is awkward now is that uh, Squawker Dave is no longer. No. Yeah, he is now. And Chris, didn't you actually suggest this? Yes. Statman Dave. Because he's the Statman. No, I think I suggested stats the way I like it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ah, yeah, stats the way uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Just to kind of go for that disco Uh type theme. With Disco Dave, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Um, does parties, weddings. Tweet Dave, let him know what you think of him. And yes, funnily enough, he's not the the DJ of the trio or the quartet. But who is? We'll never know. Uh, never know. Never know unless you listen to the number one podcast on iTunes. Uh, the Football Ramble. The f- <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go check the charts. Oh, that's awkward. We've fallen off the top. Got beaten by my dad wrote a porno the other day. Um, oh, really? Yeah, what we- is that actually about, like? Uh, you know what? My Dabrat Porno is probably one of the best podcasts I listen to. And I, I do still listen to it. And, and actually, I was in the office with one of the guys uh, from My Dabrat Porno the other day and had a lovely chat with him. Uh, they are lovely people. Uh, and it's all about... Although what I do find funny is that uh, iTunes obviously markets itself as somewhat of a family podcast uh, sort of show. Uh, and then the two top ones in Britain are My Dad Wrote a Porno and then the True Geordie podcast. Closely followed by the uh, highly, I'm told, pornographic, though I don't listen, Friday Night Comedy from BBC Radio 4. Um, That's good, I listen to that. Is it? I find it. I find the jokes a little bit too telegraphed because they leave massive gaps before they tell their punchlines. Mm. So, so, sorry, what is the actual crux of this My Dad Wrote a Porno? Uh, someone's, I mean, it's, you know, the clue's in the title, Chris. Um, someone's father wrote a pornography. I can't book. imagine they discuss that every week, though. Uh, well, they read it uh, out. They read a chapter a week and sort of discuss the chapter, but not in a serious way. 
obviously, as you would not, obviously. As in, wrote a pornographic book. He wrote or a pornographic a film? book. Yeah, he wrote a pornographic novel. Oh, okay. Uh, called Belinda Blinked, um, and it's <laughs> about. Uh, Finish the sentence. Well, the funny thing is, it is actually about a woman who works in the pots and pans industry, um, and how she just goes from office to office, getting absolutely fucked. Um, wow. And it, but that's what's funny about it. Um, and some of the similes, metaphors he uses in it are fantastic, and it, it genuinely is worth a listen. Uh, I listen to podcasts all week long because I live alone right now, um, and it is. It is great. Um, it's really good. Anyway, uh, it's been good to have you guys on this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to uh, Statman Chris Hennage, uh, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. And of course, you can also head over to your Facebook page, Chris. Yes, this is true. Uh, he speaks the truth, he shouted from the back of the room. Uh, head over to our Twitter where you can see the preview that Chris did, which will be probably redundant by the time this podcast gets out there. Um, but apart from that, it's been great to have you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for the review of the weekend's actions uh, action this is evergreen essentially though um and daniel sturge just entered the field what that early yeah i think lalan has been injured no but he does it he does it backwards he um he turns away from the field and steps on backwards and then crosses himself i wonder why anyway good Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season grab kleenex and face allergies head on mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market good to have you guys we'll see you again real soon on tf 